The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello everybody, my name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be talking about Wayne Grudem calling on Donald Trump to drop out of the race in 2020. You know, to drop out of the presidential primary. So, this is a very interesting topic because Wayne Grudem doesn't, you know, open his mouth a whole lot. He is a huge heavyweight in the realm of evangelical academia. He is... He's written a systematic theology, and I've read his systematic theology. It's, it's widely used as a textbook in many seminaries. Now, Wayne Grudem doesn't run his mouth a whole lot. He doesn't, you know, come down on high a whole lot to weigh in on issues. Last time we've talked about Wayne Grudem here was also related to politics when in 2020 he critiqued John Piper's trash article where John Piper wants to justify voting Democrat. So Wayne Grudem called that article out, which is noteworthy because Wayne Grudem and John Piper have co-written books together. And just to give more of my thoughts on Wayne Grudem, I don't dislike him a whole lot. Uh, He's written a systematic theology, which I've read. Uh, and he's also an elite, an academic elite that's not necessarily an elitist. He doesn't hate the the peons and the plebs. He doesn't really hate those people. Yeah, I, I don't get. I've never gotten the sense that he disdains um, the evangelicals that are you know so called beneath him. So I do respect Wayne Groom that much. And with that said, we're gonna weigh in on his article calling Trump to resign from the presidential race in 2024. Uh, This is an interesting article in my opinion. That's why we wanted to cover it. He wrote it about a week ago. So we're going to dive right on into that. But first, I want to let you know, Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support our work over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. Uh, Some of the extra benefits are, I'll write more political articles behind a paywall so as not to alienate uh, you know, some readers, if you know what I'm saying. So that's some extra content that you can look forward to that's related to this video. But we're going to weigh in on this political content because Wayne Grudem is a pretty substantial figure in the world of evangelicalism. So with that said, the least you can do is like this video, subscribe to the channel, to the podcast if you are new. So here is the article he wrote it at Newsweek, not the most conservative article ever, but nonetheless, or publication, not article. Um, So this article is titled, Why Trump Should Drop Out Now, a Conservative Republican Viewpoint. So Wayne Grudem is branding himself as a conservative and a Republican, and a pretty loyal one at that. I I do want to just highlight how he's trying to brand himself. So he begins with the... A lot of the appeal to his own credibility in that he's voted for Donald Trump twice and he's um, debated the issue publicly and he talks about Trump's accomplishments. I think this is the least interesting part of the article, but it's interesting how a lot of these are foreign policy 
related. Uh, so that's kind of uh, worth noting. Uh, and some of these are uh, energy related as well. So, and then he talks about how Democrats oppose Trump's accomplishments. Uh, so not the meat of the article. The meat is right here. Why Trump should drop out now. Why then should Trump drop out of the current presidential race? Because he is a weaker candidate than in 2016. In fact, Republican pollster Frank Luntz recently called Trump the weakest candidate for the general election. While Trump remains popular among conservative Republicans, and thus he is favored to win the GOP nomination, his support among independent voters is abysmal, and independents will decide the general election. Now, this is conventional wisdom. This isn't necessarily, you know, unique to the 2024 cycle. Trump, I believe, lost independence in 2020. But nonetheless, he did comparably well in a lot of states despite that. However, it is worth noting that he's appealing to Frank Luntz, who's lost a lot of credibility since 2016. Uh, you know, Frank Luntz is a rabid liberal. So I don't know why he's being called a Republican pollster. But nonetheless, I do agree that Trump's favorables are low. I do not think Trump is the weakest candidate in the current presidential race. That's an asinine statement. Chris Christie is a far weaker candidate than Donald Trump. That is just, you know, Republicans stay home. Nikki Haley, I also think, is a weaker candidate than Donald Trump. She is basically saying that she's a left-wing candidate, and that is... A blue pill and a black pill for the Republican base. They will stay home if Nikki Haley is on the top of the ticket. You're going to see a lot of people stay home. Why do I know this? Why am I saying this for certain? Because there was a bunch of Republican voters that stayed home for John McCain and Mitt Romney, two left-wing candidates that the Republican Party nominated to the general election in 20. 2008 and 2012, respectively, against one of the most far-left candidates to be on a presidential ballot. So, it's not like, uh, ind you know, independents, oftentimes, you know, they might w go over with Nikki Haley, but you're going to leave a lot of Republicans at home. So, uh, the latest Gallup poll showed a remarkable t decline in party loyalty for both parties, 28% of Americans now consider themselves Republican, 24% now consider themselves Democrat, and a whopping 46% say they are independents. Now, I find that shocking. You know, typically, my understanding is Democrats have always held a, a you know, not a majority, but they've always held the advantage on voter registration. So I don't know why we're using Gallup polls, because voter registration data exist, but that is interesting because, and usually Republicans win the independence and that's how Republicans win elections because typically the registration is not in our favor. So that's kind of interesting that the Gallup poll show is talking about identity, party identity. In New York times, Siena college poll of over 3,600 registered voters in six battleground States October 2023 found that 57% of respondents had an unfavorable view of President Biden. A highly unpopular president, 41% were favorable, but 56%, almost an identical number, one less, 
uh, had an unfavorable view of Trump. 42% were favorable. Also, almost the exact same. Um, voters don't like either of the, these candidates. And among voters who are undecided and, un, and persuadable, only 20% think that they would it would be good for the country if Trump became president again. And 54% of believe that Trump committed serious federal crimes. Now, that's really bad. Um, do I think Trump committed serious federal crimes? No. But do I think it's not necessarily what I think. It is about what they think. And this is where we got to talk about the white voting block. And I don't think the white voting block is going to turn out as it should for someone who's convicted of a felony. So all, all of conservative media wants to talk about, you know, blacks turning out for Trump if because his situation relates with them, which is a pretty racist take. But you're going to lose white people trying to run that messaging. So therefore, Trump collects a majority of delegates in the early Republican primaries and thereby secures the GOP nomination. Republicans would be facing a huge risk that Democrats will find some way to dump Biden and then quickly select a fresh, younger candidate like California Governor Gavin Newsom and win the general election in a landslide. Now, this is nonsensical, in my opinion. The Democrats are not going to jettison Joe Biden. They have no need to. They are a hive mind. They will show up out of party loyalty, not to loyalty to a personality, they didn't vote for Joe Biden the first time. They voted against Trump the first time. If it's Trump v. Biden, they're just going to vote against Trump the second time. So I don't see the argument that the Gen Democrats are going to jettison Joe Biden. They have no need to. Joe Biden has an honorary hood pass as a result of being Joe, uh, not Joe, uh, Barack Obama's vice president. He has a hood pass, so... Why would they want to jettison someone that has a hood pass and who they replace with him that also has a hood pass? They don't want to suppress the Democrat vote either. So, he has seven negative factors that diminish Trump's support. So, number one, refusing to admit that he lost the 2020 election. So, you're going to notice about this that Wayne Grudem is a little bit, uh, he's not necessarily awake to the media narratives. That's me being gentle about it, but that's true. He's not necessarily red-pilled in every conceivable way. Nonetheless, I have no problem, you know, with someone who has this opinion on the 2020 election. I would disagree with him on two counts. The one is the uh, the substantive matter about the 2020 election. I would also deny that Trump actually believe, uh, you know, so he says, I realize many Trump supporters will object um, and, you know, talk about cheating and stuff like that. Uh, Wayne Grudem is essentially saying he doesn't believe that and there's no way to prove it. Uh, so here, here's what I would say. I don't think Donald Trump believes the conspiracies regarding the 2020 election nearly as much as Republican voters do. If Trump did believe it, why was his why were his election court cases so bad? 
why was he, you know, chasing a Kraken and releasing the Kraken rather than using the more legitimate means? Trump did not have a competent legal defense for the 2020 election. That's just point blank blunt. I've talked about this over the weekend because I talked about um, Jenna Ellis, who's having a meltdown right now defending satanic statues. So Jenna Ellis is one of Trump's lawyers for the election. Now, if you look at Trump's election lawyers and you look at Trump's impeachment lawyers, it's night and day. He had the, you know, the all-star team for the impeachment trials. He had Ken Starr. He had the Dersh, Alan Dershowitz. Uh, he, he had, had heavy-hitting lawyers, very famous trial attorneys. He's assembling the dream team, the modern dream team of trial attorneys for his impeachments. He had the washed-up Looney Tunes for his election. That's the most frustrating thing about a lot of this, is that Republican voters, in my opinion, believe what they believe about the 2020 election harder than Donald Trump did or ever has. That's my opinion. Uh, and Trump didn't fight for it. So I have no problem, therefore, concluding that Trump lost. And how he lost is a little bit moot. Uh, because, again, it wasn't necessarily Trump that was screwed. It was Americans that were screwed. So... That's all I got to say about that for now. And I don't want to catch a strike on YouTube unnecessarily. Number two, recklessly refusing to call off protesters when demonstrate the demonstration turned violent on J6. So this is just a blue Anon narrative. And this is, come on, come on, uh, Wayne Grudem, who cares? If anything, it's Trump refused to pardon these people. And I would have blanket parted everyone. Everyone should have gotten a pardon, except for Capitol Police officers. They shouldn't have gotten pardoned, but all the citizens should have been pardoned, my opinion. Uh, number three, so that's that's a bad reason, but it is electorally true. If you want to tie that to Trump's appeal to independence, I don't think it's wrong to do that, but let's not embrace false narratives to do so. Number three, losing Republican-controlled uh, control of the U.S. Senate by making rash endorsements of weak candidates in several states. So he cites Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. The latter two I completely agree with. Georgia was a bad um, candidate in Herschel Walker. Pennsylvania was an even worse candidate in Dr. Mehmet Oz. And I, man, I don't know if you've heard about uh, John Fetterman lately, but he is, he's recovered from a brain injury and is sounding conservative. Coincidence? I think not, but I, I do want to, I'm going to quibble with the uh, Blake Masters. I thought Blake Masters was a solid candidate. I think uh, Carrie Lake hurt the Republican party in that. Uh, and the other thing worth noting is that there was not really a Republican control in that Senate seat. It was Martha McSally and um, then there was the other person, but. No, we haven't had a good Republican senator out of Arizona in a while. Uh, that wasn't really a Republican seat. We literally watched Martha McSally lose that race twice, and you're blaming Donald Trump for endorsing uh, Blake Masters. 
No, that seat should have been held by a Republican, but instead, um, you know, the, the governor Ducey at the time wanted to appoint the person who lost the seat, lost the race, lost the race again. And, you know, that person cost the Republican party two Senate seats. Martha McSally cost the Republican party two Senate seats in Arizona. That is who you should blame for this when you appoint a left-of-center Republican, Republicans aren't going to show up for that. The Democrats are going to vote for the Democrat. That was a stupid appointment that cost the Republicans both of the Arizona Senate seats because she lost one of the races, was appointed, and lost the other seat. So Wayne Grubin's memory on this is very short. We should have had those seats already. Number three, or number four, legal problems. Um, the multiple active lawsuits against President Trump, 91 felony counts, constitute a huge risk because they could essentially keep him from actively campaigning during the entire election season of 2024. In addition, the legal discovery process holds the potential of some insiders anonymously leaking a drip, drip, drip of embarrassing and damaging new information about Trump after he wins the Republican nomination, and it is too late for Republicans to replace him with a non-scandal-plagued candidate. The Democrats could win in a landslide. Or what if Trump wins the nomination and then is convicted of a felony before the November general election? Fiercely loyal Republicans would still back him, but for a large number of moderate voters, this would be the final straw, and they would not vote for Trump. I agree with that analysis, actually. I think this is actually more valid reason. And this coincidentally coincides with the Colorado Supreme Court ruling that tr kicking Trump off the ballot in 2024. He's going to be kicked off the primary ballot and also the general election ballot. But I think you saw in Minnesota that they allowed him on the primary ballot, but they're deferring on the uh, presidential ballot for now or general election ballot, but Colorado just kicked him off. And I don't think there's a case to appeal that to the Supreme court because it's an election law. It's an election lawsuit and you can't really, I don't see the case of appealing that to the Supreme court. It was a state's court case. I don't think that the Supreme court's going to take that case because states have jurisdiction over much of the elections and how, candidates appear on the ballot so that's huge and that could easily happen in a bunch of key states that republicans need to win if the republicans think they can just do a, a write-in campaign to rescue donald trump's electoral chances uh yeah that i don't think that's going to happen and this is a serious problem so I think it could sink Trump in the primary process, but yeah, it would be a, a complete disaster if this was adjudicated after the RNC and Trump is on the ballot. So we've talked a lot about this in live streams. Number five, age. Yeah, Trump's old. He could die. That, that's basic. That's a legitimate reason. And uh, concerns about Trump's character. This is 2016 all over again. Um, I don't know how you have concerns about Trump's character, but not concerns about Mitt Romney's character or John McCain's character. 
Um, these are the, the two prior Republican Party uh, presidential nominees had worse characters than Donald Trump. And we didn't see nearly the amount of backlash for uh, against those who voted for them. So number seven is Trump fatigue. And I think this is also a valid reason because number six was just about rehashing 2016 arguments. I, I didn't really care about that. So number seven was a real thing is like, this is the, you know, eighth or ninth year that Donald Trump has dominated Republican party politics. And I think a lot of people are tired of that. So he says here, I speak as a personally, as a lifelong Republican, one who will support, support any Republican candidate because the policies supported by Republicans are more consistent with the overall teachings of the Bible regarding governments and laws than the policies of the Democrats, in my opinion. See, I disagree with that because I won't support any Republican candidate. Um, I will not vote for a Nikki Haley. I will not vote for a Chris Christie. Uh, so Bible's teaching regarding government and laws rather than the policies of the Democrats, in my opinion, quite honestly, the thought of having to defend Trump again and again for another year produces in me a great feeling of weariness. Judging from numerous personal conversations, I think millions of other Republicans feel the same way. We would vote for Trump, but the needed enthusiasm and willingness to spend volunteer hours and to contribute money are simply not there. And we're going to see more proof of that in the upcoming financial statements that the candidates have to release. Um, so far, Trump's campaign finance numbers have not been all that good. And I think that's a that's an issue. So uh, with that said, he talks about the polls. And then this is where he says, I don't believe the polls. I think that's kind of ironic when you were citing Gallup and uh, other polls earlier. So then he kind of goes into uh, policy or personality as far as what will determine the election. Uh, he says the election will focus on inflation, taxes, securing the border, securing the border, crime, support for police. School choice, Israel, Ukraine, our military preparedness, race relations, abortion, climate change, and the role of judges, the Supreme Court, the national debt, etc. And if the campaign cares about these issues, the Republicans will likely win the presidency because of the mood of the nation has shifted to a much stronger support for Republican policies than it has for the dem policies of the Democrats. So he says there's two... Uh, Trump has two plans, and this is basically a rehash of a previous article that he wrote. He says plan A is that Trump stays in the race and wins the Republican nomination but loses the general election. His candidacy will be made a good start. Uh, then will be that his legacy will then will be that he made a good start in 2020 to 2021, but after he and the candidates he supported led the Republicans to defeat in 2020, 2022, and 2024. For all his reforms were lost. Plan B is that Trump drops out of the race and a younger Republican wins the nomination and the general election. This new president will support policies similar to those that Donald Trump so effectively advocated. Therefore, Trump's legacy will be secured and he will be remembered as a remarkable change agent 
who began to free us from the dominion of the federal government that had become a that had become far too big and far too powerful. If Trump follows Plan B, he will be remembered as a president who brought millions of working-class Americans into the Republican fold, including millions of Black and Hispanic voters. So, uh, that is a commendable thing to remember Trump for. Because again, if Trump drops out now, and this is Wayne Groom's argument, he's still a net legacy. And then he ends by saying he wants Trump to get pardoned uh, by the next Republican president. So that part's pretty agreeable. So overall, um, Wayne Grudem is not as, you know, based and red-pilled as a lot of people would like to see, but he's also not a complete lib either. Uh, this was a well-thought-out critique. I don't think all of his points were valid, and, you know, I clearly disagreed with the ones that weren't. But nonetheless... Wayne Grudem is trying to have an adult conversation. I talk to Republicans all the time. I go to Republican events all the time. I've been to two in the last week. And presidential politics was brought up. And I was in a, at a bit of a mixer event. And the mood in the room wasn't very pro-Trump. Just telling you that. I live in Maryland. But it was the mo least pro-Trump I've seen talking with people in politics in my local community at political functions, just to be clear. That was the least pro-Trump I've seen yet. So maybe it was a more, it was a different crowd than, you know, some of the meetings that I've, that I go to more regularly. But nonetheless, the mood of the room is a little bit of Trump fatigue. I do see a lot of what Wayne Groom is saying in person in my own experience. So, anyway, that's all I got to say about that. My name's Ray. This is the Evangelical Dark Web. We, we do a lot of political live streams. We've been doing those about once a month. So, you know, we'll talk more about the this on those live streams. So, be sure to subscribe to the channel so you don't miss that. Have a blessed day. We will catch you on the next one.